So I guess we'll we'll get started. Uh, so you picked the book for this episode, and the book is The Four Agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz. And I'll just read the, the back cover of it. So over a decade on the New York Times bestseller list. In The Four Agreements, Don Miguel Ruiz reveals the source of self-limiting beliefs that rob us of joy and create needless suffering. Based on ancient Toltec wisdom, the Four Agreements offer a powerful code of conduct that can rapidly transform our lives to a new experience of freedom, true happiness, and love. And uh, I just say, on a personal note, I remember, like, it's funny that I haven't read this book. So I actually, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you picked this one because, I mean, I've seen it on everybody's bookshelf. I mean, this thing was a sensation. I don't know if there was an Oprah's book club back then, but it was like, it was like that big. It was like, you know, Harry Potter sales. Um, I mean, it was, it was, it was crazy. And I feel like it's been in like, I, I see it on the shelf in every new age bookstore. I see it in most of my friends' shelves. And it's just one of these things where, you know, I've had it in my hands so many times to go buy it at the register. And I went, nah, I don't know. You know, <laughs> it looks a little lightweight. looks a little, you know, too kind of like pop culture for me. And, you know, cause I'm a serious philosopher, a serious occult guy and whatever. And, and, uh, but no, I'm glad I, I'm glad I read it. I don't want to give away all my impressions right now, but, um, I, I, I thought it was a nice little compact book of wisdom. Uh, how do you feel about it, Mark? Yeah, I, um, I, I think, uh, it's pretty simple and straightforward. So I like that part of it. Um, it doesn't, um, overcomplicate things in certain senses. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I appreciate that, uh, that about it. I feel like it's, uh, easy to approach on a lot of levels, uh, at least in terms of understanding it. And then, uh, it seems like to really execute, uh, the principles, it's a, it's about an initiation of like, uh, will and like, um, if you have the uh, determination. It's, it's deceptively simple. And I think a lot of it resonated with me because I've read a fair amount of, uh, what they call new thought. So it'd be like uh, Neville and Napoleon Hill. And uh, there's guys today who do it. I, I, Mitch Horowitz is kind of a big one, but it, the, this, it's, it's a lot of the same concepts. Um, and, and we'll get into some of those and I'll, I'll definitely, you know, say where there's some similarities and some differences there, but yeah, it, it was surprisingly pragmatic and surprisingly American, you know, reading it. It, it didn't, you know, it, and I guess like we'll get into the Toltec stuff, but if there's one thing that did kind of go up my, you know, keister a little bit. Uh, it was kind of like the the idea of the Toltec thing because the Toltecs doing a little research on them for the episode. Yeah, kind of a mythical race. You know, <laughs> it's like saying ancient Druidic wisdom. You know, it's like well, you have Irish culture and then you have the Druids. Like I have no doubt that this man grew up in, <laughs> you know, with some really ancient, you know, indigenous beliefs and some some wonderful teachers. But to call it Toltec would be like just because I'm Irish to say that like what my grandmother taught me was was ancient Druidic wisdom. You know, it's just uh, so that 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 part kind of like you know, it had the same issue with Castaneda. Like I, I like what you're writing about in a lot of ways, but it's like you know, it, it, everybody does this. The Rosicrucians say that it goes back to Egypt. You know, and yeah. everybody everybody wants something that's two thousand years old to sell it. I mean, Reiki's a hundred years old, but some people act like it has existed since like the Tao Te Ching or something. <laughs> And I feel like everything in the end draws from uh, one source or, or in just different perspectives, right? So uh, a lot of them have s- similar um, connections, es- essentially. Uh, I mean, he references like uh, the Bhagavad Gita. So there's a lot of like Eastern philosophy that kind of comes into this and uh, even like uh, some of some of Jung's uh, kind of 
um, uh, ideas seem to parallel in uh, some of his uh, stories. Oh yeah, for, for sure. I mean, the, the when I was reading it, I was taking notes on what it kind of reminded me of, and I mean, I, I had new thought, I had uh, new age, I had uh, notes of, of Crowley and Thelema. Um, and then, I mean, I, I actually wrote a note. If you squint, you can see Scientology. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it, it's, it's, it's all, I think they all came out of this, this kind of modern Western kind of remixing of, of, you know, ancient and pseudo ancient things with Jungian, uh, psychology. But I think we can get, we can get into that a little bit more as we go through the agreements for sure. Cause I think they're all, they do all tie together, but. You know, it's it's sort of like two of them I could see being part of like the Boy Scouts, you know, and it's it's like it's, so it's like it's even though all four agreements really do work together well, um, you know, I, I guess yeah, they, they're worthy of breaking down individually because I don't think they all come from the same source. I feel like it's the it's sort of like the Gospels in the Bible, like they're all kind of like you know, two of them seem like they're from the same source, and then one maybe two, one one is one a little bit less, and then one's just completely out of left field. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, do you want to? I think you wanted to uh, cover the introduction a little bit because uh, it gets into a little bit of that, the sort of the the, the Toltec the history, yeah, yeah, the mythology. Yeah, it, it seemed to uh, it was uh, it was really interesting. I think the story is like really simple. Essentially, it goes through a a guy who's uh, trying to be a medicine man and living in a city and uh, feels like there's more and goes out and sleeps in a cave one day and has like a. Uh, essentially like an existential uh, mystical experience uh, where he becomes the stars and uh, becomes a part of uh, the universe and uh, there's more uh, it goes more in depth but I won't go fully into all of that uh, but essentially in the end he has this connection of um, uh, connection to God and sees everything everything as God um, and the uh, perception in the end uh, that he has is that uh, he is light, and that every and uh, everything is a is a is a mirror that reflects light and creates light uh, and creates this dream in in reality. Uh, and yeah, and then in the end, he sees himself as pure love, pure light uh, in the dream. Uh, and then he goes back to his uh, tr- uh, his people, and they see a difference in him. Um, and he says that you know that's a journey that everybody else can can go but essentially they see him uh, as a incarnation of god and he says that's true but then you can you can be in in that uh, journey as well but they never uh they never uh they never come to terms with that um because of the fog of uh the, the illusion uh that we're in the dream of the humans as it says in the introduction so there's my co-host Ludovine oh. there. <laughs> no worries. Yeah. Um, and then it uh, ends with him like essentially coming. It, he's gonna. He realizes he's gonna cu- come out of this uh, vision and and not remember everything. And so he names himself Smoky Mirror. Uh, mm-hmm. Essentially, rep- the smoke representing the dream and the mirror representing uh, the dreamer himself. Um, so I thought it was a cool metaphor analogy of. Uh, it's setting up like uh, setting up the uh, uh, chapter one of, in terms of uh, what the Toltec perspective of what how they see reality um, and 
and then it gets i feel like very in in terms of uh psychology of like how to uh use uh reality for your benefit essentially in a lot of ways it seems like yeah the smoky mirror is interesting because the toltecs i guess were known for working obsidian uh you know and i'm sure they would have made mirrors as, as well as tools out of it and it just gives me the idea of the black mirror, you know, like the summoning mirror. And there's, there's so much, I mean, there's a lot to unpack there. <laughs> I think we could do a, a whole podcast about mirror imagery. Uh, you know, Buddhism, like the idea that you're like a mirror with dust on it, you know, there's, yeah. uh, yeah, there, there's a lot of like, uh, what, what do they call that? Uh, emanationism, you know, monism, everything goes back to the one source. Yeah. You know, we're divided yin and yang now that we're here. And yeah, that stuff definitely strikes home with me too. I, I, I uh, you know, it was a good introductory chapter to explain that kind of philosophy, and that's, you know, that's that, that's the sort of uh, the creation myth I tend to I tend to favor too. Is that we're kind of God having a dream of him, him or herself, himself? How would you say that? Uh, yeah, it's, it's yeah. A manif- God is a, we're manifestation, you know, creation through God, right? So yeah, well, I guess uh, Ruiz might say uh, um, having a dream of my God having a dream of myself. Yeah. <laughs> so i guess that kind of works um so yeah let's, let's just uh let's dive right into the four agreements and uh so chapter one you know be impeccable with your word or i guess it's not really uh, uh chapter one should we get into chapter one with the whole dream of the planet i think that that's worth worthy to get into yeah yeah i think uh uh the uh, metaphor in the introduction kind of sets it up a little bit but he kind of just goes into more uh, I would say philosophy, right, right, rather than dogma, of this idea that we are in this uh, dream that's uh, essentially collective and social, right? And then we're conditioned to be in this dream and to be a part of uh, the illusion, right? Um, and, yeah, I, I, I guess that's how it starts off. I mean, we're all dealing with that, like, you know, the inner judge, the victim, you know, nobody... I would say nobody can beat myself up as hard as I can, you know, and, and, it, it, and people say that all, all the time. It's like, you know, if somebody treated you the way that you treat yourself, would you, would you ever be around that person? Yeah, right. exactly. <laughs> and it's, so it's good. He's shining a light on there too. You know, the, uh, the auto domesticated animal, you know, like a lot of this stuff, um, the dream of the planet, a lot of this stuff is very new thought. Like this idea that we're kind of, uh, habitual and we get stuck in our patterns because the weight of the world around us expects us to be. Uh, and this this kind of idea of book of law and inner judge and all I could think of yeah. is the book of the law, of course. Yeah. <laughs> yeah <same. laughs> for, the, for anyone who's not hasn't read their Crowley, uh, the book of the laws, <laughs> it's, uh, supposedly channeled work, and uh, you know, it's it's a very interesting document. But uh, you could just um, the whole inner judge thing and the inner victim really was uh, something I think a lot of people can relate to. I mean, when you pick up a book like this, which is as much you know, it says right in the back, personal growth and self help. I mean, yeah, this is, yeah. I'm, I'm really glad I read this book in a place where I'm I'm feeling mostly good about things. Um, I can see it picking you up from like a ditch. Don't get me wrong, but I feel like the things that it, it advises you to practice, I feel like you're a lot better off doing if you already have a little bit of a good foundation. Yeah, and I feel like in the end, it's just like moral, you know, practices that you know you can look at objectively and see if these vibe with where you're at in life right and maybe currently they don't and uh it's fine right because there's a lot of different tools uh and and then maybe in the future uh when you're in a different place in life you know you pick it up and it uh makes sense and it works yeah i think a lot of people would would 
depending on you know what your spiritual cup of tea is. There's there's a little something for everybody in here. Um, I guess we can start it with uh, the first agreement: be impeccable yeah. with your word. Well, like, I, I, would, I wanted like, to uh, oh, so, touch sorry. base on on yeah. one more thing in chapter one of terms of like what is an agreement, which I think is a a good setup, right? Of like um, why we're choosing to like adopt these agreements, um, and it goes into a little bit of uh, how language you know that we have in common with each other's agreement, right? A simple like exa- example that he puts in the in the book of like. Uh, we choose to ha- uh, look at a page in the book and call it a page, and we have that like social kind of agreement that okay, if we look at this page in the book, right? It's a page, and so uh, that's kind of the building blocks of how everything starts, right? And how the uh, the social uh, collective dream is uh, created in terms of through uh, your family structures, societal structures, friends, you know, belief systems, and things like that. Um, and then the need for essentially like changing those uh, those agreements, right? That we've been uh, uh, we've been uh, inadvertently uh, uh, chosen to go down that path, right? So um, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of that. The, the chapter one was a lot of kind of modern psychology. I feel like. You know, it wasn't, you know, there's, there's, there's more psychology in chapter one than spirituality. Yeah. Uh, you know, like, I mean, you could call it the dream of the planet and I could call it, you know, social contract, you know, it could be exactly. a political science yeah. article. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's, so, it's, it's, so that's actually one thing I did like is even though it is masked as a spiritual book on the back, it doesn't really say spirituality. It says personal growth and self-help and it stays away from a lot of like the really woo woo stuff that I, that I, I tend to like to read, to be honest with you. Um, but yeah, it's pretty cut and dry. And I mean, get, are you ready to go into the first agreement? Yeah, yeah. All definitely. right. So it's uh, be impeccable with your word, which, like I said, this sounds like something that could be, you know, uh, Ben Franklin quote or something from the Boy Scouts or you know something from uh, you know any religious uh, school worth its salt. I think would would say that being impeccable with your word is is important. But it's kind of interesting. It doesn't just mean be truthful. And um, I think you'll probably want to dive into this because I know we talk about the power of negative and positive use of words a lot. So do you have any, any thoughts on that? Well, I mean, it's cool that he gets into the, like, the actual definition and the root of the word, right? When he uh, g- gets into the Latin uh, where it's uh, peccatus, which is sin, uh, uh, which is the peccable is where that comes from. And then im is without. So impeccable is without sin. Uh, and he has this redefinition, right, of uh, what sin is, and it's uh, he re- redefines it as like going against your um, what's good for your personal kind of growth, rather than this um, exteriorization of like other people's judgments towards you. Um, yeah, that, that that comes down to um, you know you're living in, um, you know, everybody's self-centered, you know, like we're, we're constantly thinking that, well, I guess this gets into the second agreement, so maybe we won't jump that far. But what I did kind of like, and, and people might take this the wrong way, but there's a little bit of like a, a Luciferian vibe to this. Um, and when I say that, I don't want people to think I'm saying that this guy's a Satanist or anything. I just mean in that sort of breaking free, um, you know, the one teaching you to eat the apple of knowledge, apple, you know, uh, uh, that kind of a Luciferian vibe. To it, which I feel like goes through a lot of the new age thinking and a lot of modern psychology. Uh, you know, it, it, it's 
but then he takes it a step further with the whole not just lying and not just telling the truth, but um, the whole thing about like how you can basically put a whammy on somebody if you uh, if you say, "Hey, you look, you have the kind of face that looks like it gets cancer" or something like that, and then all of a sudden the person gets it a year later because they took it to heart. This idea, yeah. words, yeah, that words are magic. I mean, if if you don't see that on you know social media, the news, and everything else, that is. You know, the way you phrase something and the way you, uh, the energy that you put out with your speech really is a weapon, you know, and it can be a weapon for good or a weapon for, for negative uh, thoughts. Yeah, and he gets into, like, the idea of, like, white magic and black magic, right? And, like, uh, casting a spell, uh, and he gets in, he talks about uh, gossip, gossip being the worst, uh, worst black magic that you can um, inflict on other people. Yeah, that one really struck home with me. That's definitely because I'm like, wait, I'm impeccable with my word. You know, I do what I'm going to say I'm going to do. And I'm like, well, I engage in gossip. You know, I, 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 I don't like to. And I always feel dirty afterwards. But it's really hard not to. Like, it's, it's when people, people love talking to, about each other. And, and I wish there, there was a part of me that wishes I could just be like, hey, you know, uh, I'm not going to listen to this. But I don't always comment. But, you know, I'll always listen to it. And, and that's just as bad, too, because I'm just receiving that black magic. Well, I think that's what he gets into later, right? Of like being able to uh, create your own uh, reality and your own agreements so that you can move through these worlds um, and not be affected. It's almost like uh, uh, similar to the imagery of like Jesus walking through uh, and dealing with the worst of society, right? The sinners and the beggars and the lepers and... um, it, it, it felt like kind of that imagery uh, that it connected to in a way. Yeah, the, the, the whole idea that the logos, the creation of the world. So you do, you do get, there are these like Christian underpinnings for this book that, um, you know, they don't just have, they, they go back to ancient Greece, this idea of the logos and the, and the yeah. neo, neoplatonic thought. It's not just Christian, uh, certainly. But uh, there definitely are some of these things that, like, again, if you squint real hard, you can sort of see some, some biblical study here, too. And, you know, just like any other intelligent person, you know, who, who, who reads and who thinks a lot, I'm sure the author, you know, over his life pulled from a lot of different sources and, and got inspiration from a lot of different sources before he had his, you know, sort of shakabuku and, uh, and decided to, to write this book. Yeah, and I think the uh, one part um, which is really appreciated, I feel like, in terms of like a philosophy of, of a way to live life is there's a measure of how to see if you're impeccable with your word, right? And that is uh, me- in relationship to the level of self-love that you have towards yourself. Yeah. Um, and so I feel like that's a, a that's like the first introduction of love, and I feel like love plays a big part of this um, uh, philosophy, I would say, right, or um, system. Uh, in terms of changing the old agreements of fear uh, into uh, newer agreements that are re- replaced with love, and and self love is the big, the first part of that journey. It seems like yeah, that's the the idea of taking care of yourself first. Like I said, that, you, that Luciferian kind of vibe. But um, if you don't, you know, as as, uh, as RuPaul says, if you don't love yourself, how the hell are you going to love anyone else? Uh, yeah, it's, it's, I mean, and Jesus, yeah, yeah Jesus <laughs> even had that that uh, parable of uh, the uh, friend who's trying to take the plank 
uh, or the speck out of his friend's eye when uh, he had a plank in his and his friend's yeah. like, hey, why don't you take the plank out of your own eye first, right? So it's, I yeah. think it's uh, it's a common common symbolism that's used across the board. Or Shakespeare, uh, phys- physician, heal thyself, you know, yeah. or heal thyself, <laughs> you know. Uh, yeah, for sure. It's 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 one of those things where it's so easy to see other people's blind spots, but so difficult to see your own, which is I guess why they call them blind spots. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you want to move on to agreement two? Yeah, I think that was pretty much it in the first one. Uh, agreement two is a big one for me right now. I actually did what he said and wrote it and stuck it to the refrigerator. It's don't take anything personally. And this is a tough one for me because I take everything personally. I guess there's inner sensitive kid in there somewhere. Um, but you know, that's, that's the thing that he brings up and it's something that I, God, I forget all the time, which is that everybody's living in their own movie and you don't know what you are in their movie, you know, and, and, and maybe you shouldn't worry about it too much. And that if somebody acts a certain way to you, like today I got, I got something, uh, you know, an email to me that really rubbed me the wrong way. And I had to pull a step back and say, you know, the way this person responds to you has nothing to do with you. It has to do with, with them and the way they operate. And, you know, then I just, like, I lost my, I lost my, I was in such a good spiritual space and that just set me back, you know, kind of real hard for like 10, 15 minutes and then started nagging at me for like another hour and just said, hey, you know, not taking it personally. Like, don't take anything personally because it doesn't, you know, if you're mad at somebody for, for a perceived slight, it doesn't do anything to them. Like it's not like you're getting revenge on them for the for the slight by being mad. You're just ruining your own day. Yeah, exactly. And I feel like you're just perceiving uh, the situation incorrectly, right? It's like we're. Uh, he talks about like creating a personal importance with ourselves and and not seeing what the reality is in um, uh, in in essence of that other people's. Um, actions towards us are not a, a reflection of who we are and we we can we can create our own uh image of of who we are yeah yeah i also like the, the part he said that um humans agree to help each other suffer which is yeah. so true i mean how many times have you seen two friends or two partners that are just you know and you're just like why doesn't she break up with him or why does he keep going out with her or whatever it happens to be and you just realize it's because they're both poking some sort of need in each other, that some sort of really unhealthy need in each other. And I've been there, you know I mean? Who hasn't been there? And this, yeah. this idea, yeah, that we've, that's an agreement. We've agreed to help each other suffer. That's one of the negative agreements. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. And, and uh, let's say, um, oh yeah. I also like the idea that we lie. So no, so nobody will know we're not perfect. It's definitely a big one. This that one kind of smacked me a little bit because that's like I'm not somebody who lies a lot, but definitely anytime I do tend to fib or lie, it's usually just because you know it's it's just to protect my own ego to make people you know oh I can't believe I was that stupid that I dropped the ball like that and so I'll like try to like you know oh, I'm going to smooth this over real quick so nobody knows that I that I that I'm human and I made a mistake. I I know that. I feel like the uh, the last one comes into account with uh, with that right. It's like uh, and. He uh, there's one line and in, in, at the end where it says uh, you're never responsible for your a- that, for the actions of others you're only responsible for you right and so I feel it um, it it kind of it resets that perspective that we have of the pers- of having uh, living through the perspective of other people 
Yeah, and there's something that's forgotten in all this, and I've, I've caught myself on it a bunch too, is that if you think everyone's always talking about you or think, saying bad things about you or whatever, it's just basically your giant ego. You know, like I, sometimes I'll catch myself thinking that people are talking about me or saying things about me or actively not liking me, and I'm like, that is just an absolutely insanely egotistical thing to think, that I am taking up any room in anybody else's headspace during the day. And the fact that I'm beating myself up over this sort of perceived headspace that I am having in other people's heads is just like absolute peak egotism. Well, and then in the end, it's the the power you really own, you you have is uh, over yourself, right? And uh, you you can't control what other people are going to think of you, and it doesn't even matter what other people think of you. It's more important to create a really a, a, a healthy self image of who you are and and have a good uh, relationship with your mental, your physical, your spiritual bodies, right? Yeah, it, it ties into to, um, to the agreement three, if you're ready to go there. Yeah. Yeah, I think is, these, uh, don't, these two... Don't make assumptions. Don't make assumptions. Like, these these are uh, almost like the same. They, they're, they're, they're basically, they're married. <laughs> yeah, they're very similar in, in yeah. a sense. The don't make assumptions is, you know, every time I take things personally, I make assumptions on what the perceived slight is, what the person's uh, thinking towards me is and, and what everybody thinks about me. And the thing is they're all just assumptions and they're usually pretty ludicrous. Yeah. And there was this idea of like, we're afraid of uh, not asking questions, right. And uh, finding clarification. Cause if we had uh, clarification, then we wouldn't have the, uh, wouldn't be taking anything personally at the end. Cause right. Cause we wouldn't, uh, we would be seeing the, reality for their perspective from a clear point of view yeah he's you know he, he points out that they're fantasies in the mind that we act to as though they're real and i feel like you know and, and i i'm sure i can lump us both into this group and i think people that have big imaginations and have a lot of creativity when your brain isn't doing your mind i'll say not your brain when your mind isn't doing something what does it do it creates new things it creates new fantasies and I, sometimes I think that people that are a little less creative have a little bit easier time with this agreement because your brain may not be constantly running off. Like the task at hand may be fine for you, but for me, the task at hand plus three or four other things are always floating through my brain at the same time. So the, uh, the, that part of the mind that wants to be active and wants to do something you know, easily comes up with these fantasies about, oh, that person just gave me an odd look. I wonder what they're thinking. Or I didn't like that, the tone in that person's voice. And, you know, and the thing is, who knows what, like, their, their dog could have died that day. Like, who knows what happened? You know, you have no idea what's going on in their head. Yeah. It's like everybody's going through their personal journey, right? Yeah. It's, it's, and, I, I like, yeah. It's why you should yeah. ask questions. Like, I like that part too. He said, ask questions to others and don't live in ambiguity. Yeah, and there was this importance of uh, being authentic, and I feel like that idea, and then there was also this idea in terms of the second agreement, don't uh, in, don't take anything personally. There's a detachment to the, the good or the bad that's happening, right? So you're not, like, connected to the outcome. It's almost a very Hindu, uh, Buddhist kind of philosophy of, like, detachment to... Uh, the reward, um, and you're not expecting good or bad, and you're just being um, impeccable, right? You're being uh, noble, in a sense, and so you just do what's right, uh, even when no one's watching, right? That's, like, the most important thing. 
Yeah, for sure. I, yeah, that, that's I like the idea that you can transform from a black ma- magician into a white magician, you know, just by getting out of this ambiguity and and following these agreements and 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 having that transformation, transforming the ambiguity around you and how you interact with others into something that's clearer. You know, you're you're taking part in magic in that respect, in yeah. magic in, in the truest sense. And I mean, I feel like there's a lot of uh, backgrounds or. Um schools that uh, have that thought where words are spells that you can use as uh, used to cast right um, good mm-hmm. or bad negative energy on other people well um, I don't know if you it ever seems to make it seems to make sense on a I'm just like a on a on paper kind of philosophy yeah I, I don't know if you ever um, read it I know I'd probably suggest it to you but like fourth way stuff like Uspensky and Gurdjieff and a lot of this chapter sort of reminded me of uh, in search of, in search of the miraculous, you know these ideas. Um, a lot of these ideas really kind of jive with that fourth way thinking, which is kind of a, a little too big to bring up in this topic. But maybe we'll read some fourth way down the road. But yeah, yeah a, a lot of that stuff. Yeah, appealed to me. You know, it, it's it's very pragmatic. There's like some modern fourth way people, like uh, George Russell. He has like um, a podcast and stuff where they read his texts, and a lot of it is just basically psychology masquerading as spirituality. Um, yeah, and I mean, if you look at it in just bare bones, it's, it doesn't seem like anything negative in the terms of any of the practices that it enforces, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Everything seems very based in love and um, just trying to be a better person um, and create like that. Uh, it goes into heaven on uh, earth, right? And it's like you can either cast that spell and create hell on earth or you can create uh heaven on earth so that goes back into i feel like some of those christian symbolisms uh that the jesus talks about uh yeah. in some of the gospels yeah there's there it really is such a skew to pull from like you'd mentioned with the buddhism hinduism um some of the brahmin emanationism i mean there's really you know there's something for everybody in here i mean i could definitely see somebody who is Islamic or Sufi, you know, like getting stuff from here and, and, and jiving with it too. Uh, there's, there's really something in, you know, Judaism. I feel like, I feel like it's he, the author did a really good job of creating a book that I don't think would offend any specific religion. And just, you know, most religious teachers would say, yes, everything that that he suggests to do is actually a pretty good idea. Uh, I mean, I'm not expert on every world religion, but I don't see anything in in the actual agreements themselves. Not, not, not the the, the sort of stuff it's couched in, but the actual four agreements, I feel like, would probably do pretty well with most religious theorists as, yeah, yeah it's a pretty good model. Yeah, and I mean, I'm sure there's some, like, um, things you could uh, knock and might not be 100% correct, but overall it seemed to have some good uh, good philosophies to take away. Um, yeah, like, um, in part of the third agreement, there's a section that talks about what real love is, and I, I found, found that, like, really interesting it said real love is accepting other people the way they are without trying to change them and he goes into you know in terms of relationships it's better to be in a relationship with somebody you're not trying to change uh and vice versa that they're not trying to change you so and they're happy uh with who you are and i feel like that's the some good practical advice in terms of uh being in term in in relationships where i think there's a lot of uh, people in unhealthy relationships where uh, they, you know, get in these bad cycles that you were talking about earlier. Um, and 
it's important to, I think, have that separation, especially when you're in uh, those kind of relationships and even friendships, right, where um, you are your support and you're there for the person, but you're not you're not there to live their journey. I feel like that's uh, it gets into a very like uh, dharmic kind of sense of uh, there's that uh, line in the Bhagavad Gita where it says it's better to live your journey imperfectly than other than to live somebody else's dharma right um, in a perfect way. So um, it's uh, I think it was a uh, some good good advice. I, yeah, I'm glad you. I'm glad you covered that. It's funny. This is the second time you've picked up one of the things he writes about love, where I didn't. I didn't have any notes on it, but I, when I was reading it the whole time, I was nodding my head. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know yeah. if I didn't write notes because I was actually just really into what he was saying, and I just didn't reach for the pen, or if that's something in my own psyche. But uh, I completely. I've had so many situations where I've been like, "Why can't you just accept me for who I am?" Um, it, and why can't I accept you for who you are? And uh, it's it's. Some relationships have been better at that than others over the years, but it's it's so true. It's like, I mean, how many times I'm sure it's happened to both of us where you're like, hey, I was a bartender when you met me. <laughs> you know, I don't yeah. know why you expect me all of a sudden to, to, you know, to completely change my ways overnight. But it's, uh, yeah, that, that part definitely struck home with me. I, I, yeah, I and he says when that. you, uh, and he says like, right, when you don't vibe with other people, like just say goodbye and leave because it's just better for both sides. And, uh, uh, it's better to move on and have better communication with others. That's clear and more impeccable. Yeah, that was a ve- very healthy statement. I feel like that was, that was some of these things in here. I think if people could take them, you know, for people that are in these, these really toxic situations, you know, it's easier said than done, I suppose. Um, you know, I'm, I'm lucky that right now I'm not in that situation. I'm in an excellent situation, but there's uh, you know, I've seen so many people where it's just like, well, why don't you just, why don't you just walk away, you know? And it can almost be glib just to say, just walk away. Like a lot of this stuff is kind of the new thoughty stuff. It's sort of like saying, well, just pull yourself up, wipe yourself off, you know? And um, if you can do it, then it works like a hundred percent. But I feel like sometimes some of the stuff, like you said, these agreements are really hard. They're not, you know, they're very simple, but they're not hard. And I think simple versus easy can be very uh, misleading. Like to say, oh, this is a really simple philosophy. And it is. But I wouldn't say this is an easy philosophy at all. And I think he prefaces it at one point, uh, either in the end of the introduction or the end of chapter one, that, right, these are very simple, simple ideas, but uh, um, the uh, way to accomplish them is uh, through initiation of of will. Um, And like going back to what you were saying, it's uh, there's a line where it says information or the idea is merely a seed. Uh, in your mind where action is actually what will make that seed grow, right? So there is Mm -hmm. this idea of uh, you can't just, like, take this information in and understand it on an intellectual level. You actually have to execute it into your life in an actionable way. Uh, Otherwise, otherwise you're still caught in those old agreements, essentially. Yeah, it's interesting how you mentioned the will thing, because I wrote that down, too, and uh, it's it's funny how you can say like the power of will, and again that goes like to Thelema and Crowley almost. It's like the first thing jumps in my head, and then we go right to the fourth agreement. If you're ready, yeah, yeah. And the fourth agreement is always do your best, which sounds like it's straight out of the Eagle Scouts. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So it's, <laughs> it's funny how like one thing can strike me of Alistair Crowley, and the next one strikes me of the Boy Scouts. <laughs> but then like, it's interesting how you said like the the second um, where it's uh, 
don't take anything personally. And then the, the third don't make assumptions kind of pair together. Whereas I feel like the, um, the last one essentially always do the, do your best kind of ties all the three, um, together of the earlier ones, right? Of yeah. like, you're not, you're gonna fail in making, not making assumptions. You're gonna fail at not taking things personally. And we're gonna fail at not being, and being impeccable with our word. But in the end, all you have to do is do your best. And that oh, yeah. might be, and I, I, I like how, how, uh, there's a range that they, he gives of like your best at certain times is, kind of can be high and then at other times if you're sick or you're you're not sober uh then it could be low right and so it's uh it's important to understand your personal i think barometer right in that sense yeah absolutely and i feel like these these it almost reminds me of um lines in a poem where you have like a b b a where like a rhymes the first one and the fourth one rhyme and the second one the second third yeah one rhyme. <laughs> so like this one definitely rhymes with agreement one you know, in agreement two and three rhyme with each other. Yeah. And as a whole, they make a stanza. But there's definitely, you know, th- th- this one definitely rhymes with number one in that I could see these both as, like, you know, things on, like, what an Eagle Scout does. You know, always be impeccable with your word. Always do your yeah. best. The other two, I think, are a little bit more, like, um, you know, uh, kind of a little deeper, almost. Like, they're a little bit more depth psychology, a little bit more Jungian. Whereas the, the, the one and four are, are more surface level, like just, you know, be a good citizen. Yeah. And, and yeah. And there's a lot of action involved, I feel like, in, uh, in doing your best, right? It gets, uh, uh, gets into that idea of taking action because you love it and not expecting that reward because it's like your duty, essentially. Um, and to be moving, I feel like that's a big, it seems like that's a underlying, uh, theme of like just having movement right yeah yeah I, I like the idea of stop resisting work i put some stars around the ones that really struck home to me um and so many times when i feel uninspired in a project or i feel like i have to go and do work and it's so like lately i've been feeling with my my current situation that you know sort of uninspired don't really want to go in and then you know it, before i actually read this book but i had a moment where i said hey you know what stop resisting work you know, just go in and, and do the work the best you can. And so I kind of took on the fourth agreement before I'd even read it, you know, just <laughs> sporadically, you know, maybe it's what they call it, remembering the future, you know, maybe, uh, maybe it went backwards in time and hit me, but all of a sudden I, I decided to reinvest myself in things and, you know, spending more time at work. I found now I'm enjoying work more because I'm getting more done and I'm more prepared for scenarios that were giving me some stress like oh i'm not prepared enough well how do you get prepared you go in more and how do you like being there more sometimes being there more makes you feel better about it yeah and i guess the idea of practice right in this uh uh in terms of to reach mass mastery levels is you just have you have to have repetition uh and create the action in in essentially in good uh good good avenues yeah the whole um Doing your best makes you a master of transformation. I kind of like that one. Yeah. Um, I, the, what I really liked was the uh, "We are all still children," you know, and it's that just like that kind of hit me because I'm like sometimes I feel like I'm a big kid, you know. And but he's he's right, you know. Everybody's pretending to do their job, 
you know, a judge puts on a judge face and a cop puts on a cop face and a, a doctor dresses up in a white, uh, you know, a white uh, lab coat and has a stethoscope. And, you know, it's not saying not taking away from the, the skills and, and the abilities of all the people that do these things. But it really is. If you look at adults and you look at kids playing dress up and you, there's really not a lot of difference there, except in terms of acumen. Yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah, what they uh, what they get in uh, return, right? And then I feel like the adults have to get the added stress too from the jobs. <laughs> yeah, that's the, that's the dream. You know, you have a dream. You're a, a cop. You have a dream. You're a doctor. You know, you have a dream. You're a bartender, and and that's sort of that's an agreement that you take on. You're like, I'm going to fill this role, and so I have to fill this role in every every aspect of my life, and. Can definitely get overwhelming. I mean, you know, and I can only understand people like if that happens to us as bartenders. I can only imagine what that happens to people that have life or death jobs. You know, like air traffic right. controller or brain surgeon or something. Like I can, I can only imagine the psychological uh, th- that agreement. You know, now has serious consequences if you don't fulfill it. Yeah, and I mean, in the end, it's like they uh, chose to uh, walk down that path and. We all have to be uh, responsible for our own journeys, right? Yeah. Well, that's, uh, you know, one of the things he said about, um, he said, you can change your, your life anytime if you aren't enjoying the dream. And it reminds me of that, like, brilliant monologue from uh, Bill Hicks, uh, the famous comedian. And he talks about that, you know, talks about it as being an amusement park. And, you know, if you don't like the ride, just get off the ride. And uh, I'll leave people to search that. Maybe I'll put it on the, online somewhere. But, um, <laughs> yeah, it just like, struck me like that. And that was, I think that went it was from the 80s or early 90s. So probably before this book. But, again, these, these things, these concepts go back to at least the ancient Greeks and beyond. And in ancient, ancient India and, you know, Indus civilizations, I'm sure, and Sumeria. Like, they had these concepts, I'm sure, too. So, again, nothing new, but, you know... It's not, you know, it's how it's remixed. And, and it's, it's remixed, I think, in a way that, that somebody could read it and really kind of pick up, you know, something beneficial from that and see some light at the end of the tunnel. And, you know, I appreciate it for in terms of its, um, I, like you were saying, broadness of scope. It, it's pretty applicable to, I feel like, anybody um, from any background. Maybe some of the terminology of like uh, black magic and white magic might throw some people off, but I feel like the way he describes it is pretty um, in a pretty secular way. Um, but overall, what I really appreciate also is just the um, the tools that he gives people in terms of this philosophy of how to break out, right, and what to use even though they might be like very broad kind of archetypes, um, I feel like it gives people um, an idea of how to take certain steps uh, in creating new realities for themselves. You know, it's funny that you just said steps because as you were talking, my brain was going right to like 12 step programs. Yeah. And and there's a lot, a lot of stuff in here. I feel like could have come straight out of like the AA or NA playbook. You know, like you can change your life anytime you want to be impeccable, be honest, you know, make make amends to people like there's a, there's like that was also something that I had forgotten to write down that I was going to. I'm like a lot of this stuff reminds me of, you know, um, recovery programs, you know, and that's not yeah. again, not a bad thing. Like a forgiveness. Lot of yeah, yeah. Forgiveness. I didn't think we touched on that. At, oh, uh, yeah. At, um, really. But forgiveness is a big part of uh, changing those agreements. Right. And like reshaping them 
and letting go and not taking things personally and not making assumptions. Uh, he kind of mentions that, I, re- I think. I, you know, and I meant to write that down about the forgiveness part. And again, I don't know what, I don't know what it is about love and forgiveness yeah. and all this stuff. I, I just keep, uh, my pen goes you silent, got, but you just get caught <laughs> up in it, huh? I, I think that's the thing. Yeah. I, I, I'd like to think that it's that and that, not that I'm ignoring it. I think that I was just kind of caught up in it. Uh, at the time, whereas like the kind of drier, more like cut and dry sort of pragma- pragmatic wisdom, I was like, oh yeah, I'll write that down. I'll make a note of that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, yeah. So like the, um, the idea of you know he says these Toltec mystery uh, masteries, awareness, transformation, and intent. You know, a lot of this stuff again. You know, you know Toltec. But sure, I'm sure they had concepts of this too. But you know, these are just you know sort of all around. You know, you could find these things in Zen Buddhism. You know, you can find these things in other places. Uh, you can find yeah. it in magic, like to will, to know, to dare, and to be silent. You know, it's it's a lot of that even is is in here too. Um, yeah, I did like he, yeah. awareness oh, seems to be a big. Uh, it's a part of the change, right? A key to the change uh, in terms of like those old um, agreements and breaking those old agreements. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's sort of like uh, awareness could be the to know, and like transformation could be the to will you know and, and intent could be to dare you know it's it's a, a lot yeah. of this stuff strikes me definitely with some deep occult roots uh, but again that's not a bad thing for anyone who's listening it's there's there's parts of occult just means hidden you know i'm not i'm not saying that that this book is yeah. in any way diabolical <laughs> um, I, I like the idea with the judge the victim uh as parasites and the parasites are in control you know and, and it's true because they, they these sort of things draw your attention and um, you know, they, they call it false centers in fourth way. Gurdjieff and Uspensky would call it a fourth center or a false center. And a false center is a, something that's sucking your energy away to exist, although it's not a natural part of your body. Yeah. And those are like he, in, uh, in um, the four agreements, he connects that to those uh, false agreements that we've made, right, with other people through essentially our programming in a way. Yeah, yeah. The judge, the judge, and the victim. I think Carl Jung would probably uh, consider to be uh, complexes. You know, things yeah. that draw your attention and, and sort of hijack your your um, your body and your mind and, and pull your attention away from you know your general well being. Yeah, and then he has this uh, this um, uh, imagery of uh, the being a warrior in this journey. Um, which I feel like is very similar to some of that Christian, and even in um, even in the Bhagavad Gita, where uh, Arjuna is kind of putting down his sword and do- doesn't want to fight. Um, oh yeah, Krishna's uh, urges him to to do his duty, right, and be a warrior. Yeah, he's like they're the already dead anyway, right? Yeah, and <laughs> um, and Jesus, I think, says at one part, right, pick up your sword and uh, fight for me. Uh, and then there's the armor of God where it's like the sword of truth and all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I feel like that's a, I feel like that m- terminology has been coming up in terms of, um, the spiritual journey of that battle of light and dark and you have to be vigilant and you have to be, um, be strong and a warrior essentially. It's a very like brutal kind of imagery. I, I feel like it. In some senses, oh yeah, I remember reading the Bhagavad for uh, Bhagavad Excuse me, the pronunciation. Uh, but uh, I remember reading that the first time and coming to that part, and it stuck with me since high school. I think when I first read it, you know, and it's like he doesn't want to fight his like cousins and brothers and friends and whatever. And 
And it's like, well, you know, you got to do your duty because they're already dead, whether by your sword or by another, you know, it's like the, yeah. the gods have already intended it. It's, it's already faded. So now you just strap, strap on a sack as they used to say back in the day. But <laughs> yeah. And so. then I, in, uh, what was it in our, I found that part about forgiveness. It says forgiveness is the only way to heal. And the first, uh, step is forgiving our parents, brothers, sisters, friends and God and once you forgive God you can finally forgive yourself and then you don't have that self rejection um, and then it yeah. gives you a base of like how you know when you've forgiven somebody it's uh, when you no longer have emotional reaction to them um, and I feel like that's some some uh, parallel themes that have been coming up in a lot of books I've been reading too it's an interesting concept, you know, when you no longer have a reaction. I actually went through some people in my life and started thinking, do, how much reaction do I have? And It's funny yeah, how I some of like the... We, ha- we all have those uh, relationships yeah. and uh, journeys in our life. And I feel like that's part of our right karmic cycles that we've caught, been caught in and where that we're trying to release those energies and, uh, in a sense, like, do our best, <laughs> do better, <Yeah>. be more <laughs> impeccable with our word. Yeah, that, that was that was a really handy thing because there were a couple people that I hadn't really thought about in a while, and all the big ones, like everybody like, that's a part of my life that I, I see on a regular basis, I was completely fine. I'm like, yep, no issue there, no issue there. And then a few people that are like tangential that I like hardly ever see, I'm like, ooh, like I felt a little twinge, and I'm like, maybe there's something there I need to still work out, you know, if I ever see this person again. But yeah, and then um, it's cool. Like he goes into talking about how to deal with these. Um kind of uh, fears, right? These uh, false agreements that we've uh, made with ourselves. And he said the the options are addressing them one by one um, or the other option is to um, deal with the underlying emotion that uh, fire um, that um, is creating those uh, different uh, fears. And then the third one, which is interesting, which I feel like can connect with a lot of, um, you know, esoteric and even uh, union ideas is the initiation of the dead and embracing the angel of death. So this idea of, uh, essentially, it seems like going through the shadow and um, making friends with the shadow and your demons uh, and, and creating a new reality for yourself. Yeah, you can guess which one I jumped right to. Yeah. <laughs> Me too. Me too. Yeah. I, I was like, uh, yeah, the facing it one-on-one kind of, again, seemed like a 12-steppy kind of thing. And, of course, the angel of death seemed very Catholic. Uh, like, there's a concept of the memento mori where you keep, like, a skull or some sort of reminder of death around <laughs> you at all times. And so that kind of that, that hit me in that, that kind of dark Catholic occultism right, right, in, the, right, in, the, right in the gut there. Um, and uh, yeah, so I, I like the whole thing of the angel of death saying, all of these things are mine. Like you can have them for a little while, but your spouse, yeah. your friends, your dog, your car, your job, they're all yeah. mine, but you can have them for now. And, and I that just thought goes that, back that was to good. Like that, uh, the detachment of the reward, right? It's like, you're just going to get what you're going to get. And I, it, I feel like at the end, when you have that detachment, uh, what you get is oftentimes better than what you thought you were going to get when you actually like were striving for those kind of the those things those rewards yeah yeah i like the the, you know the going into the desert obviously he didn't come up with that that's been it's been around since at least at least the bible (laughs) but um 
So I like the when it says all the demons become angels, and it reminded me. Have you ever seen the movie Jacob's Ladder? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, maybe we should do a show That's on a, that at some point. That's a crazy movie. That movie's a trip. But yeah, it, 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 you know, without giving it away to anybody who hasn't seen it, maybe that maybe that will be a future episode. But that's the first thing I thought of um, was that movie. And uh, oh, let's get yeah. into a little bit like the idea of the the human emotional body being bandaged, and uh, like how. Oh yeah, that was really yeah. interesting, and how there's like a uh, we all have a um, infection essentially, uh, and can't can't interact and touch each other, each other. and um, what was it to heal. What was the idea of how oh, to yeah. heal? Uh, is forgiveness is the only way to heal. Yeah, I think yeah, we, I think exactly. I think we jumped the, jumped a, a little bit on that one, but yeah. So I did write that down. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, I, I mean, we got was, a little. We got one part of each. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's sort of like um, the you know I, I like the phrase if somebody's emotional body looked like their physical body covered like that, you'd be really careful about how you how you handled them. And I think that that was that's a good way to to look at people for sure and to look at ourselves. You know, which, you know, you, you can put, you know, so your hand on your back is someone's back in a very gentle and loving way. But if they've got a, a six inch, uh, you know, gaping wound under there, they're not going to take to it very kindly. Yeah. And I feel like that takes a lot of what self-awareness and um, and moving through that journey of like essentially putting yourself in other people's shoes um, and uh, kind of like what he said uh reframing those agreements that we have with other people and seeing them in a different light um and using forgiveness as a as a tool and then moving moving and creating new agreements uh out of uh out of love rather than the fear that we had in the past uh, and then we can first what is essentially he says we can love ourselves um and once you understand i feel like loving yourself and uh those ways that we really need to be loved, then we can really reflect that into other people's lives, right? Around us. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I think that that's, again, another, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of good points in here. Um, you know, definitely not something I thought was going to be my cup of tea, but um, it definitely vibed with a lot of that kind of uh, new thought and fourth way stuff that's, that's sort of quasi spiritual. It's not like yeah. fully spiritual. It's got some spiritual affectations on it. It may may have its roots in some real religion, but it's you know, it's it's very. At the end of the day, this book is very non denominational. You don't have very to have like any moral. Interest, yeah. I would say like very moralistic. Uh, very moralistic. In, in, yeah. In, in essence, you know, and things that like like you were saying, right? That you have been already adopting your in your life uh, before reading this book uh, in certain ways. So things that we can already touch on without this, um, philosophy, but it's nice to have somebody who is condensed in a way where you can kind of navigate some of those pitfalls a little easier, um, with, with some guidance. Absolutely. Uh, is there anything you wanted to uh, bring up with the last couple chapters? I thought it was mostly just kind of, uh, kind of a non-denominational prayer. Um, yeah. You know. Heaven on, I mean, he gets into heaven on earth. So that kind of idea of like, um, reflecting uh what you want now uh and having that it's almost like um being enlightened right it's like he gets in talking about like uh moses buddha and uh uh in terms of nirvana and um creating that new dream uh but then unfortunately we're caught in that what the smoke of the the smoky mirror and so we don't see what we really are so uh so i thought that was a 
some interesting imagery that he uh, uses that that's very like I feel like universalistic. It's uh, he connects to a lot of different um, backgrounds in that way. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Any any final thoughts before we uh, wrap this up? Um, no, I think. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess I would think I, I, if I had to put, uh, you know, a, I'm not going to like rate it or, or do anything like that, but yeah, <laughs> I, I would say I, I thought it was going to be a lot of kind of like new agey, you know, crystals, manifestation, stuff like that. And I mean, it, there's kind of like a little vibe of that there, but it's, it, it ended up to me reminding me a lot more of this sort of like American Protestant work ethic and new thought of the, yeah. of the early 20th century mixed with a little bit of deep uh, depth psychology. And, um, and as a fan of, of both of those, you know, sort of subjects, I, 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 I there was a lot for me to like in here. It's and it seemed yeah. like, uh, it's, it's like a, like I was saying earlier, it's like a simple, easy read with simple concepts. So it's not like very uh, deep and, uh, in a sense of like, you could take it pretty deep, but to just like go over it once, I would say what it takes about like maybe, uh, four hours max, right. To read. Yeah. Um, Pretty, oh, yeah. pretty straightforward. I, I, I read it in an afternoon. I think that, yeah, I think for me, I would have probably read it a lot earlier if it was like, um, like Napoleon Hill has books like Think and Grow Rich. Oh, know? my gosh. Yeah, and, I have it, like some yeah. of those and it's, those are like volumes, it feels like. Yeah, but you know, like it, it, like this book could have easily kind of had some of that, that same thing. Like it could have, it could have had a fix your life right now, you know, and you didn't really have to go with the whole ancient Toltec wisdom thing. But I guess, you know, hey, it was the 90s. Like that kind of stuff was really hot. You know, there was a lot of, uh, you know, people like, oh, ancient wisdom. Like everybody wanted ancient wisdom. And uh, it's like the most, you know, like American thing you can do. Like, oh, here's some secrets that somebody's selling, you know, and, and I'm going to buy the secrets and then I'm going to fix everything. And uh, but yeah, so I, I think, you know, if I hadn't been kind of put off by like having enough of Mesoamerican studies under my background to know that the Toltecs were kind of like a pretty unknown people and it's very unlikely that you had any direct, you know, direct knowledge transferring to him from specifically the Toltecs. Um, again, it's like saying if I got knowledge from the Druids, like, it's like, all right, fine. And some, Just, and some of the history I saw of the Toltecs was like, they were kind of brutal and pretty warrior, uh, like in oh, yeah. some sense. And they had some human sacrifice uh, stuff going on. And so no, no, the Mesoamerican uh, gods, they were thirsty. <laughs> yeah. You didn't yeah, mess with so, them. Yeah. I mean, that goes back into like a very like, um, magic and the cult too, uh, where they were connected with human sacrifice and, or animal sacrifice in some senses too. Yeah. Yeah. The, 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 the old gods were thirsty. Why do you think, you know, Christianity, Islam and Judaism and all these other things took off and Buddhism took off so well. It's like, you know, Hey, wait, you mean I don't have to have a chance to have my heart ripped out? Like, cool. Yeah. <laughs> so this, in a sense, seems like a watered down, not maybe watered down, but a uh, more modern day philosophy of those more indigenous kind of cultures um, mixed in with a little bit more, you know, like you were saying, psychology and um, some other, you know, uh, Eastern spirituality kind of elements as well. Yeah, it's a, it's a it's a good old fashioned stew, you know, and, and it, um, a, a, you know, a neat little book of wisdom that I think if people put into practice and, and took the time to really kind of live it out, they I think they'd see some some benefit in their lives. Yeah, maybe in the the world too, right? Yeah, maybe <laughs> in the world. Yeah, like I said, I mean, it's 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 given me some motivation to tweak a few little things here and there. So you know, anytime you read a you read a book and you get a little get a little motivation, you get that little dopamine hit to get off your butt and kind of. Try to uh, try to adjust a few things. It's always a it's always a positive. 
Yeah, exactly. Um, that's the goal, right? Ideally, hopefully. Yeah. All right, Mark. Any um, closing thoughts, or you want to call? No, it? it's been uh, it's been fun, man. Um, yeah, it's been a lot we'll of fun. Figure out. We'll figure out another topic and um, for the next time, and uh, that'll be that'll be fun. Sounds good, Mark. Looking forward to it. All right, All right Kevin. Right. Take care. All right. Yeah. Bye.